Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is the awesome Asim Kapoor, founder and chief architect at Arc People Solutions, coming out of Dubai. Coming up on today's show, Asim highlights why you should come and work in hospitality. You know, hoteliers and HR people mostly have stories which cannot be shared in a family show. It's like that. Phil gets an exclusive. Have I just got an exclusive? Yes, you've just got an exclusive. Oh my God. And Asim intrigues us all with this wonderful setup. And you won't believe it. I mean, I don't know if I should kind of put it out on air and everything, but now, okay, what can happen? All that and so much more as Asim talks us through his story and journey to date, along with why he founded Art People Solutions. In addition, there's some excellent content in here on leadership and culture pulled from Asim's exceptional career so far. A huge thank you to him for that. Don't forget, we launch a brand new episode each week telling the amazing and always amusing stories from hospitality. So make sure you hit that subscribe button and give us a like and a share across your favourite social networks. Let's share these amazing stories as far as we can. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street. Today we once again cross the seas and welcome someone who's made one hell of a name for himself in the Middle East in the world of people and culture. I'm delighted to welcome the founder and chief architect, I see what you did there, at Arc People Solutions. Welcome Asim Kapoor. Thanks a lot, Phil. It's an absolute pleasure to be here with you. Very good. I, lo- I love the the fact that you call yourself chief architect and <laughs> yes. your company's called Arc People <laughs> Solutions. Yes, actually, I mean, that was quite a bit of a brainstorm that we did with a bunch of people that, you know, we were kind of playing things around and we said, okay, when you do your own thing, you can have a bit of fun with it as well, right? Uh, you're yeah. not so bound by a whole lot of policies, procedures and everything. So I said, okay, let's just be fun with it. And, you know, the idea kind of came up to say, well, why don't we call it architect with ARK in it and everything, right? And it sounds fairly cool. And, and I've got quite a lot of questions around it, right? I mean, people ask me, so why architect and everything? So yeah, it was like, I think a fun thing that really can then moved into being a title as such, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I love a, a a weird and quirky job title. <laughs> Thanks. As you Thank say, you. it's just it's good to have fun. Yes, yes. So how are you anyway? Well, good. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, things in Dubai are, you know, quite uh, starting to warm up a bit, uh, you know, so the, the temperature is kind of changing. Uh, Ramadan has started, uh, but this time, yep. you know, Dubai is showing its own progressive mindset and approach. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of changes to the way, you know, food and beverage and entertainment can happen during Ramadan. So it's all good. And the city city is buzzing, um, you know, I mean, with, with all the you know, the, the right kind of protocols and safety and hygiene standards in place, but there's a good vibe to the city overall. Great. Yeah. And yeah. you're you currently are, are not welcoming overseas travelers. Is that right? Or... Um, no, no, no. They are coming in with, again, oh, I are. mean, okay. regulations Great. and everything, but no, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the city is open. Um, so, yeah. Great. I'll, I'll book in a flight. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Now yeah. that your part of the world is opening as well, I think you should. And yeah, uh, you know, is. enjoy the beaches and and the um, and the barbecues. Barbecues are still on here, so you know. Right. It's uh, yeah. We're not quite fully released. We're um, we can't travel right uh, legally until the seventeenth of May, I right. believe. Right. Um, right. Which is a little frustrating because I had a trip booked uh, for the sixth of May. Right. Which uh, I had moved from last year 
right. to then thinking, oh, it's miles away. Well, that'll be no problem. Yeah, and then, yeah. of course, uh, it was a problem. Yeah, so anyway, true, true. But at least At least there's light at the end of the tunnel, right? I mean, at least we have exactly. a date to kind of work towards. So, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, yeah. I will look forward to seeing you in Dubai on the 18th of May. <laughs> <laughs> you know me too well. You know yes, too yes, well. absolutely. Um, uh, so where are you in the world today? Are you doing us from home or are you in an office? No, or? no, I'm in the office now. So, um, you know, um, I have an office in uh, this beautiful place called Business Bay in uh, in Dubai. Um, and we're, we're connected from there. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, connected. Actually, that leads me on nicely to my next my next point. I was going to talk about how we actually uh, connected yes. through a, a wonderful human being called Ian Parr. Yes. Who um, who came to you as um, when you were working for Emar. Yes, correct. As I think director of finance at the Armani Hotel. Yes. Uh, yes. And, and he connected you you and I together. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. And then I came to meet you at your offices. And it's one of my, uh, it was one of the highlights of my trip because one, what I loved about your offices in uh, at Emar was the fact that you had standing rooms. Meetings. So yes. yeah, I, yes. I really like that. I thought for energy, that must be, that must be a really, really different. Yes, absolutely. I mean, to be honest with you, you know, we had moved into those offices, I think fairly, you know, recently when you kind of came and met us, right? And before mm. that, we were in a different kind of office in Ema Business Park. And those were the more, you know, traditional offices, you know, like a lot of seating space, a lot of meeting rooms with, with sit down and so on and so forth. And, you know, Emar um, with this kind of, you know, again, progressive forward thinking mindset and Mr. Alabar being the main driver behind all that, you know, the new offices had a completely different kind of a look and feel. And then these standing meeting rooms came in and everybody kind of looked at that. And then whenever people see something weird, the first person they look to is HR, right? Saying, my God, yeah. how are we going to manage this, right? How are those two hour meetings going to, how are we going to continue to keep standing? And I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting to see how people really react. But to be honest with you, I think people really adapted to that extremely well. And I think within like four or five months, we were like, why were we not doing it doing things like this forever because yeah. you know it just kind of increased the pace of how you would have a meeting so a typical meeting that idly would take like an hour was finishing up in like 20-25 minutes because yeah. Yeah. everybody didn't want to keep on standing for that long and plus you know when you're standing you know that okay you gotta you've come in you're gonna have a discussion and then you're gonna move to the next thing that you gotta do and I think we're you know in a mindset which is so focused on driving efficiency and productivity and you know making sure that we deliver the best in the least amount of time taken, I think that was a brilliant move. And I think then, you know, we kind of got, you know, copied a lot uh, around the city and everything. And a lot of kind of companies moved towards that approach. But I yeah. think it is, it is a brilliant, I mean, there was a bit of resistance. And like, you know, I mean, with change, there is always a level of resistance. But I think it was one of the most, it was a, it was a brilliant thing. Yeah. You know, we, I don't know, I don't know if you know, we even moved to standing desks. Did you? Well, yes. Do you know, there's a, there, I remember seeing a study on this uh, 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 more than a few years ago yes. around the fact that if you, you know, if you if you got a job that has you sitting at a desk, yes, and you just change that yeah. to even doing half of your day stu stood up, yes, it burns something like six hundred calories or yes. something like that. You know, yeah. it's. Yeah. For it, sure. It's incredible. And as, as somebody who's now the wrong side of 40, yeah. these are the things I need to know. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. And I'm, I think I'm much beyond you as well in terms of that <laughs> milestone. But, um, uh, but to be honest, I mean, you know, I mean, and it's not as draconian as it kind of sounds, I guess, because, you know, it's, it's really cool desk, which you can like elevate the height to what you want. And when you're tired, yeah. you can actually you have the option of sitting down. 
So, you know, it's kind of, it just kind of moves up and down at the press of a button and everything, right? Um, yeah. So, so you know, you can sit when you want, but I completely agree with you. And I, I think overall, again, the level of efficiency, so one is the health aspect to it, but at the same time, I think it does have an impact on the efficiency because when you're standing, you somehow are just a bit more faster. And that's why I think that's where all these terms like, you know, thinking on your feet or, you know, like, you know, yeah. doing things done when you're on your feet kind of a thing comes up because when you're on your feet, you just tend to do things a bit better and faster. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. The other thing that I uh, remember about uh, that uh, particular meeting was is that uh, the start of our meeting was slightly delayed because you were having a very heated debate with somebody in one of these standing rooms, and I was I was loving it. It was I was grabbing the popcorn. Um... <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, anyway. it would have been one of those rare times. I mean, people who know me know that I lose my temper very rarely, right? So it must yeah. you must have caught me on a bad day. But I also think that the person that you were speaking to was uh, was a senior. It wasn't, uh, you know, you weren't talking, uh, you weren't having a go at, some, right. you know, so you were clearly right. managing up, right, uh, right, managing right. upwards expectations. Right, but, um, right, right. But in any case. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think um, that's uh, that's something that's always been, you know, a passion of mine in terms of not, not having, not managing upwards or having a go at my, my superiors or anything like that. But, you know, I mean, and, and again, a company like Emar actually gives you the opportunity to speak your mind um, and be yeah. open and transparent and everything without too much of a fear of repercussion. Um, yeah. And, and I, th I think what was best about um, my time there was that the teams that I kind of worked with, you know, within Nima Hospitality, and, you know, I was there for almost like 13 years. Yeah. You know, the, the, the relationships were such that, you know, we could kind of be very, very open, transparent with each other about how we felt on things. But then again, maintain, you know, good relationship and go for a drink in the evening and all that stuff. So you somehow had gotten over that that whole th thing of, you know, should I speak, should I not or whatever. You could speak your mind and, you know, kind of move forward and get things done. Yeah, I think that's massively important in, in progress, isn't it? That uh, if you give people the forum to actually speak their mind without fear of getting sure. sacked or sure. disciplined or, or whatever obviously 100%. within reason yes um yes. but uh, you know it, it just allows a greater flow of ideas yeah i think yeah yeah definitely definitely so well before all of that there was a there's a whole career uh, to talk about yeah. um so how, how did you how did you get your start in hospitality well it's a very funny story that you ask because um, Glad you said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I actually was somebody who was studying to be a doctor, right? Okay, And right. Um, uh, I think I was one of those people or those generation where from a very young age, you are literally conditioned to think, hey, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a doctor. And right. by the time you actually reach an age where you can, can take decision for yourself, you already think, hey, I'm going to be a doctor, and you think it's right. your it's your decision, right? So I was like, so yes, yeah, so I had the right kind of subjects to put me on the path to being a doctor when I was in school. And as I finished school, I did all my, you know, studies for my medical exams. And I gave medical exams over a period of two years. And I actually did even join a course on zoology honors, um, you know, because I wanted to be wow. in a university uh, whilst I was studying and preparing for my medical exams. Mm -hmm. So I did one year of zoology honors. And I think I must have dissected everything from a frog to a earthworm to a cockroach to a lizard and i mean squids and oh, everything i mean yeah 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 exactly yeah and and i was pretty good at it i topped in that as well right uh, in my college and i think as i kind of went through that journey at some point of time i realized this is not for me uh, you know this 
wasn't my decision so i guess you know the, my you know the 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 in, invisible banyan tree somehow must have appeared above me um and i kind of got enlightened and i said well oh, no i'm living somebody else's dream that's not mine Um and then I kind of knew a friend uh, my my brother's friend actually who was into hotels hotel management was a very very new thing in India not so much considered as a career at that point of time but I said okay maybe you know that's what and I I used to be always very fascinated about it and we had you know I mean through young age and everything been visiting a lot of hotels you have those that exposure as a guest and so on and so forth it was something that always fascinated me and I said well that's it that's is what I want to do right it was somehow like there was no there wasn't a long list or a short list of alternate careers it was you know mm-hmm. right from medical i kind of gave these com- com- competition exams for getting into a hotel management course in india um and i got through and uh, and that's where i went so i did 3 right. years um and uh, at the end of my my completion of my third year uh, you know so there's a company called the oberoi hotels they come yeah, for campus beautiful. yeah they come for campus recruitment and i got selected by them to do a two year management training program with them in delhi but obviously they kind of as a you know i think it's one of the toughest management training program ever um and i kind of you know moved they moved us all over india in different kind of hotels and different places to our to do our management training and you know that was really like you know my 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 main learning i mean I always even now say that my learning of what hospitality is started all over there right uh, because the level of importance the 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 focus on attention to detail the creating of the experience the you know putting a, the guest at the center of everything that is done i mean those were things that the obroy is so so well known and revered for Yeah. Um so I was with them and I worked you know after completing I worked with them for some time then I got picked up by Taj Hotels and I worked in a city called Hyderabad and that's actually when I moved into into training so I'm I'm not an HR person by by through studies or whatever right I mean I I was in operation so I when I graduated from the management training program I was a re- restaurant manager then I became an assistant F&B director then I moved into front office and then you know when I moved to Taj that's when I moved into being training right I was regional training for three hotels um and mm-hmm. that was like my first foray into I guess stepping up into human resources right and then you know I kind of got my first break to open uh, a beautiful hotel in Maldives called Taj Exotica Resort and Spa mm-hmm. um and yeah. i moved there as the hr manager to to open that property i'm a and i think that's where i got my my taste for opening hotels and i knew that this is what life is going to be for me i just want to do nothing but open hotels all the time interesting yeah, that's cuz yeah. that, there's a lot of people who do an opening for a hotel and yeah. then go never again oh my god no 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 for me it it used to be the other way around when a hotel would open and then it would go into the regular operation and it would settle down let's say 6 8 10 months post opening that's when i would start getting jittery and i'll be like oh my god now life is getting boring right. i need to get yeah. on to the next one to open the next one you know so yeah so right. for me i'm just a i call myself an opening freak you know <laughs> that's fair it's well the um you I, well, you've done a fair few openings in your uh, in yes. your career that's for sure but yes. we'll come on to that as we yeah, progress yeah, i'm sure yeah so then after that then i got picked up by shangri-la hotels and then i was working on the opening of the shangri-la in maldives which kind of got delayed at that time so then i moved around a bit to open other hotels for them and one of the largest opening i did was the shangri-la baralji sign muscat with them and then after that i moved when i moved back to the maldives and you know i'd got married by then 
the hotel was again getting delayed and then the out of the blue the offer for emar kind of came through and actually okay. to be honest at that point of time i'm talking about 2007 i really didn't know much about emar right and i didn't know that they were as huge as they were right already i mean they're bigger now at that time also it was like you know one of the biggest companies in the middle east i didn't know yeah. much about them uh, you know as hoteliers sometimes we can have a bit our head in the sand right you know you know what i mean yeah well you you're kind of familiar with all the brands that everybody else are familiar yes, with right like exactly. four seasons yes, and exactly. oriental absolutely and, absolutely you know yeah. everybody in hospitality but you don't know anything outside your little hospitality world you know kind of yeah. um, even even jumeirah i suppose yes. you could put them in at yes. that time they would they would have been a bit more international oh, for sure than absolutely were. yes 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 and imar was just getting into hospitality right so they were more of a real estate company um yeah. so yes jumeirah was fairly well known i mean jumeirah was well known to us since 94 95 kind of a thing right But yeah. anyway, so um, so I just, I mean, when I kind of had the first discussion or the second discussion, all I kind of understood was it's a big company. They're into real estate. They're going to be launching a hospitality division, and they are going to be opening a lot of hotels. And I said, well, sign me up. I mean, I, yeah. you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> Magic words. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. As soon as you know, you're going to open hotels. I'll be there, right? It's only when I landed and I kind of was going from the airport to to where they had put us up in the greens, and I saw all these Imar. flags all over the city i was like oh my god all right i mean that's where yeah. i think i think the penny dropped and you know i mean like they said the rest is history then you know kind of coming in at the initial stages of the of the setup of the the the, the hospitality division um you know and then launching one brand after the other so you know there's a very the, our main popular brand the five star brand was address hotels it the yeah. even name hadn't been finalized at that point of time Um, so, right. You know, okay. So, so you literally came in before there yes. was kind of anything absolutely. Uh, open. Absolutely. Absolutely. Were. Yes. And it right. it is an awesome team. And you know, you kind of understand that how I think uh, you know the mindset that uh, Mr. Alabar created Imar with, which is to create lifestyle experiences. How it was moving through all these new divisions that were kind of being set up. because again the whole mindset around the service philosophy of of the hotels was about creating experiences mm. and and again you know with with them as well so whilst we were whether we did the five star brand of the address or then launch the four star boutique brand of vita hotels or armani hotels that we launched both in in dubai and in milan or then we eventually came up with the with the uh, economy brand of rove hotels you know creating that experience and what it kind of brings what different it stuff it brings to the guest or to the customer was always at the forefront yeah um, so that was like an, an amazing journey yes yeah because you've got well you've got a uh, super luxury luxury yes you know four star and yes. then yes budget as budget. it were yes but actually i'd imagine that even you know looking at what the guest experience should look like in a budget is just as interesting as what it should look like oh, in a super absolutely. luxury absolutely absolutely i think to be honest with you our biggest learnings actually came when we were doing the um, when we were doing the rove hotel brand right in terms mm. of how to kind of create a guest experience that you know remains budget right but is still exemplary right um, yeah. i i think as we created the address brand uh, five star luxury hotels were still right up there you know you could spend a lot because you would earn a lot and so on and so forth and i think with with armani it was similar it just went a notch higher because you know now you're kind of getting into branded luxury uh, which mm. comes with its own set of you know challenges like you know you you have the armani 
name to kind of you know live up to and then you're opening the first hotel in Burj Khalifa and my god that kind of then further elevates you know the challenge that you have in front of you uh, because yeah. you got to make As if it, it top notch high profile uh, yes know, not yes. high profile already and then you stick it in the world's tallest building exactly absolutely yeah <laughs> and then you know i think when we did vida we kind of did the tweaks around the five star experience like you know watered it down perhaps a bit added in a couple of quirks which will make it special um yeah. but with rove i mean we literally started with a complete blank piece of paper and said okay let's start creating something new um and the kind of learnings that that we had whilst whilst doing that were 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 immense right i mean i mean mind boggling yeah i can imagine i cuz yeah. i think that the, there's a sort of general yeah. consensus around the world that that yeah. budget should mean bad yes but in actual fact you know the, the i think the, the well that's definitely changing for sure yes. but yes. um you know budget definitely doesn't have to mean that it's going to be a bad experience no no not at all not at all and i think that it, there was a wide space for that in the dubai market because to be honest the um you know not to not to kind of talk the, down the others um but but you know there was that space where you could enhance the experience you could enhance the product you could give a really really good clean um uh, uh differentiated experience to that to that budget market and everything as well and that was missing in dubai at that point of time now yeah. ever since then ever since rove has happened and rove is also growing at at super fast speed i mean there are you know other brands that have kind of come in and tried to emulate or or have have kind of you know taken inspiration from from rove and created some really good you know economy experiences and everything but i think that point of time i mean rove was really you know one of its own kind yeah but and and i think what differentiated uh, you know the experience always was that there was this constant mindset of a startup that existed within within the 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 company right we so even as we were growing so it went from like 1500 like when i joined i think we had two maybe 300 people we went from 300 to 1500 to 3000 to 4500 as we grew also the that startup mindset remained and and you know one of the early leaders with anima hospitality was was i think uh, he you you had him as a guest on your uh, on your podcast earlier as well mr mark garden right Oh yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah 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 and and he was like the first ceo when you know the company started and i joined when he was he was the ceo um and again i think you know the whole mindset of kind of you know let's look at things but let's look at things from a fresh perspective let's question whatever we do let's put in place new stuff like there was never a challenge of kind of putting new things on the table and discussing them and getting them agreed and move forward if it made sense right if it made yeah. financial sense if it made sense from an experience point of view whether it was guest experience or employee experience and whether it made common sense you know sometimes you know we i feel sometimes just get so bogged down with policies procedures and you know what has been written in the book rule book that we forget to use our common sense as well Um, I couldn't couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, yeah. So um so yeah, I mean it was a it was a fascinating journey of 13 years I have to say. Yeah, and what and uh, I think the the thing about that is that I completely hear you as well by the way because when I came to to Dubai and met you that yeah. time there yeah. were Emar flags yes everywhere. Yes. Like pretty much every building had yes. you know was a, a so you know there it sounds like they're you know they're a massive company with a you know a lot of clout behind them but equally yeah. they kind of they moved at that time like a like a startup like oh, a you absolutely. know a small agile business absolutely and and not just then even now uh, phil you know despite you know the tremendous growth that has happened in the real estate division and 
whether it's hospitality or the entertainment division or the malls and everything, the mindset still remains very agile, very startup. The minute, you know, we feel, okay, we're going into a bit of complacency, although that's a word that is an absolute no-no uh, or would have be, been an absolute no-no to even use. But even if yeah. we kind of were heading towards that, you know, we would kind of then push ourselves to, or, you know, expected to push ourselves to kind of get back into that fast-paced mode of, of delivering, which is why if you see, I mean, I think within 10 years, four brands, 22 hotels, I mean, not many can do it, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. And and finding the points of difference for each brand. Yes. yes. I'd imagine from your perspective yeah. as well and, and what that, you know, because you're, I suppose, designing cultures here. Yes, correct. Absolutely. Behind the brands. Yes. That must have been incredibly interesting. Yeah, absolutely. It was. I mean, to then kind of even come up with a differentiated culture for, you know, people culture that kind of then supports the guest experience deliverable and then, yeah. you know, really realign all our processes or, or our approaches to so that we can hire people who will deliver that experience, right? Because typically what would, would happen is, I mean, you know, a building is beautiful, right? I mean, it's at the end of the day, okay, you create a five-star brand, a four-star or a three-star, you know, it's the building is always top-notch. It differs in in its in its entire concept as such mm. but i always believe that the life to any brand or the life to any concept is always brought in by the people yeah and and i think for us right from the beginning one of the things that was very very clear was that if we kind of follow a one size fits all philosophy when it comes to let's say even you know let's start with the base even with recruitment and we onboard the same profile of people for all our brands, then the eventual guest experience will be the same, irrespective of how different the concept is of how different the building is, right? right. Um, because if the people don't think differently, if the people don't deliver that level of service and the guest experience differently, then the experience will always be the same. Right. Um, and yeah. I think, you know, so, so we would then come up with, uh, we used to have some awesome fun with it as well, right? Uh, because of you know, this whole startup mindset of saying, okay, let's identify the persona for an address hotel. Let's identify the persona for a, a BIDA, for a ROV, and then come up with selection methodologies of how we will select people who fit that persona the most, because that That's persona great, yeah. is what is then defined by the brand, right? So yes, I mean, you know, it, it, it was brilliant, you know, I mean, we, we went from, from, uh, you know, kind of a profile, which is more five-star, a bit more, um, how should I say, high-end luxury for the address and Armani to really fun, cool, you know, Rovesters, as we call them, for rove hotels, where you know their own personality and their ability to have an unscripted conversation was, you know, kind of the key paramount thing, you know, rather than you know people who kind of follow a particular you know style and approach when it comes to silver service and you know gloves and everything, right? I mean, this was going to be a yeah. more fun brand. So, and not everybody can fit into every mold, right? I mean, I think it's it's natural to identify that people are people, right? I mean, they have feelings, they have emotions, and they are types of people who can who can do some things great but they may not be great at some other things so how you kind of really identify that right profile and and bring them was was critical for us yeah, yeah absolutely yeah yeah when when did this kind of this interest in the people side of uh, i suppose life and business kind mm. of first rear its head with you because the uh, i mean we've had conversations over the years and yes. it's the one thing i always love uh, about you is that you you're clearly doing what you were born to do because oh. you you <laughs> obviously think yeah. you're you're very very passionate about this yeah. subject. Yes. Um, but where did where did it first? Where did you go? 
right, I'm in. I, I, this is what I'm doing. This is me. Right, right. I, I mean, I think it started off with my first role into being a training manager. That's when it started. Because, uh, you know, again, as a hotelier who's in operations, uh, you kind of, you know, when you're a restaurant manager or you're handling front office or whatever, the guest takes a majority part of your time, right? That's one thing. Because you're, you're dealing with, you know, your check-ins, your checkouts, your, you know, a lot of entertainment, a lot of meeting with the guests and, you know, sorting out issues or whatever. So guests take a major part of it. The second, I think, always comes is whether everything is in place or not in terms of, you know, whether your shift is ready for to run properly is your mise en place in place is you know you have the right number of people and this that and the other and 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 somehow you know when kind of getting into the depth of people and and their potential and their you know development selection what makes people tick and everything takes a bit of a backstage not because they want you want to it's just that you just have a whole lot of other things to address but Mm. but when i kind of took on my first role as a training manager that's when i had like like full-on focus in terms of saying okay we are we have to deliver a particular guest experience or this is what the eventual business strategy is how do we do that or how do we reach it through people was something i started focusing on at that point of time yeah. And that's when it opened a, a world of, uh, you know, kind of a, a completely new world for me, right? I mean, I, I think I learned the importance of, of people, um, in, especially in, in the hospitality business, um, you know, through, through that experience and everything. And that's when I realized that, you know, people at the end of the day are the backbone, right? I mean, it, there's no doubt about it. I mean, one can say, okay, no, it's IT, it's infrastructure. It's a, yes, it's all of that. But the, eventually, whatever drives everything is the people, right? Um, yeah. And, and, and the, the, the importance kind of, you know, I think that was my aha, not moment, but my aha um, uh, experience that I said, okay, this is what I really want to do. And this is where I want to, you know, kind of impact as I kind of move forward. And then from training, as I kind of progressed into HR, it was, you know, Maldives was, was a very, very unique experience for me because I'm talking about 2001, 2002, when I kind of went there. And, and you mm. know, Maldives is a very, very different world now. I mean, I just went last two, two weeks back for a holiday. And, you know, now after 20 years, you know, the place is, you know, so progressive and you can see even, you know, the local talent over there have kind of progressed so much and are so up there with that level of luxury hospitality that needs to be delivered. But at that time, things were quite basic. So we even, you know, when we, when we selected people and brought them on board, we even kind of, I remember went through having to have sessions on kind of getting them around a table and kind of using fork and knife to eat or just because it was not a part of the culture. But then yeah. you know that, okay, people who have to deliver to five-star guests and everything who will be using a fork and knife while eating, this, the people who will be serving them need to know what that experience is going to be like, you know? So doing a whole lot of, you know, um, things in the restaurant itself, getting them to kind of live like that or understand that life and everything. And, and I think, again, you know, going back to basics was something that I enjoyed so much. You know, that, that then it started my journey into kind of looking at human resource more holistically, uh, because then, you know, the concept of, let's say, policies, procedures and this, that and the other also came in. And and I think that's when I also realized that, yes, it's it's we should, an organization should have all this, but it should not be so written in stone that it is actually, you know, detracting you or your organization, your company or your people from delivering that eventual experience. Um, so yeah. I'm not saying, okay, break the rule or whatever, but make sure that I, I think it was, what I learned was it's important to draft policies again, which makes sense. 
and to, to draft procedures that make sense and people can actually do. So I think unknowingly as well, because I didn't go to a management school as such, you know, I kind of just said, okay, let me, why don't I get three or four people together and just bounce off, you know, this new thing that we are putting together with them who are from operations who actually have to do it and take their opinion to say, what do you feel about it? What do you think? Yeah. Right. Well, and, and that's logical. Yes, that's exactly. Logical yeah, approach, yeah but, absolutely. Yeah. But... yeah. That's what I just went with. I, it just made common sense to me to say, okay, this is what, because eventually me sitting in my office with my GM and other department heads who are drafting the policy at the end of the day, or that procedure at the end of the day, we are not the ones who are going to be delivering it. The mm. people delivering it are completely different. So they need to have an input into this, right? So let's ask them what they feel. And to be honest with you, the first time I did it, I completely had to rewrite the whole procedure all over again. Because right. because what we had written was was really aspirational, was like, wow, as far as it ticked all the boxes of of, of everything. But my God, it was not practical. You know, yeah. it, it would it was something that that operations would have would have suffered. And this is what I generally see. Um, you know, things get created sitting in an office or, you know, with a paper and pen or whatever, but not really understanding whether your main workforce who are out there interacting with people, interacting with guests to deliver what your brand is all about, would they even be able to deliver it? You know, so we tend yeah. to lose that that one cru crucial link somehow. I don't know why. I think it, it, there's probably, it's, it's about getting the balance right, I yeah. suppose, when you're writing policy to yeah. ensure that, that yeah. everyone in yeah. the process is protected. Yeah. yeah. And that's your, I think a lot of companies get yeah. that wrong yeah. where they just look at HR policies from the protection of the company. Correct. Um, yeah. And don't think about the, the protection of the um, employee so much. So much. I think correct. that's changing. Yeah. I think that's yeah. definitely yeah. changing. No, no, definitely. It is. Because again, I think, I think a lot of, thankfully, you know, the world is shifting and, and HR professionals and, and the overall HR mindset is moving more towards people. And the fact that culture is so critical and culture needs to be put in place and culture needs to drive everything else that that we do, right? Mm. Um, and I think that's where, it, you know, for me also, it all started to understand as to why, you know, whether we call it vision, mission, values, whether we call it uh, purpose, whether we call it an intent, whether we call it, you know, start with the why, there's so many different kind of versions that exist. But at the end of the day, you need to decide why are you really doing what you're doing and what is that culture that you will create that will help you deliver it. Um, and yeah. everything, everything that needs to be driven from that, whether it's your processes, whether it's your people, whether it's your philosophies, whether it's how you deliver service to your guests, how do you make an engaging work environment for your people? Everything has to has to come from that. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, I agree with you completely that you know the the world is changing and and you know, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think as well. That's that's probably all of these things are polarized when you're in a an island environment as well, yes. right? Because yeah. you you've got people living on top of each other basically with yes. no yes. nowhere really to go. Yes, you know. So yeah. how do you make that yeah. uh, interesting and vibrant yeah. and different yeah. with without without yeah. it, you know causing problems? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was one of those rare places which allowed me as a HR manager to open a bar for the staff every Saturday <laughs> night and actually right. actually sell them drinks. I mean, right. can you imagine when I came to Dubai, I was asking, oh, so I've joined Imar. So do we have staff bars over here? And everybody looked at me like I'd come from some like alien planet or whatever, like what? Are yeah. you crazy? Like you'll be fired like, you know, 
<laughs> yeah. very moment and everything <laughs> i'm like well you know we used to like you know sell everybody alcohol and you know we would then spend finish the night dancing on the on the bar counter uh, but i guess no <laughs> different environments different environments different challenges and and different things that you can do yeah you know but but at the end of the day it's 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 it needs to be all about people otherwise i think you know you just i think you're just fighting of losing battle eventually you know for sure it comes across at, at you know at, we've all been in situations i'm sure around the world somewhere whereby yeah. you know you, you you can tell that the the staff just don't want to be there yeah um yeah, you know and and that starts with you know everything that's going on behind the scenes right yes, and yes. and but equally then you be you know we've all been in environments whereby people seem like they just don't ever look like they're ever going to do anything else because yeah. they're just so natural in in that role and in that service moment and it's it's when you get that it's just such a beautiful thing yeah yeah definitely definitely great so you're you were with emr for 13 years yes. what what role did that culminate in what what were you doing upon departure so i was the uh, the corporate hr director for emr hospitality right something that i was so i was heading hr for emr hospitality for the last six to seven years before i left you must have hated that word corporate in your title. Yes, yes, absolutely, yes, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it was something that, you know, as, again, progressive and everything, you know, it all kind of moved to being head of HR and so on and so forth, right? I mean, mm. it's fine. But then again, I mean, I've, I'll be honest with you, titles are something that never really excited me anyways, right? I mean, I think, you know, when you talk about kind of creating your own space, and I, I think uh, for me as well, like many other aspirational and inspirational leaders that I've seen, I think they were all people who became leaders before they actually got any kind of a title because just mm. by virtue of being the way they were and uh, being there for people and becoming that key point of contact for people to go to even when your designation really doesn't warrant that, I yeah. think that's when you position yourself as a leader. And then everything else just kind of comes comes along. And I do see a lot of people still, you know, there's so so much about titles and there's so much about, you know, you know, I mean, I, I saw somewhere a title, you know, somebody being a senior corporate group director of, you know, uh, you know, the world. Uh, something yeah, don't like forget that, right? regional. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I'm yeah. like, well, go on, add on a couple of more things and everything. And I, I just feel that, okay, perhaps that, that whole thing massages in, in the ego or, Perhaps in certain places it is necessary because, you know, let's face it, the world also does get impressed with titles, right? And the person's mm -hmm. importance or seniority does get kind of uh, communicated to it. But I always feel having a title doesn't really mean that you would be a leader, right? Uh, it may yeah. be that you, you know, as a, as a typical or, or as a classic definition of a leader who needs to be there for his people to guide, coach, mentor, drive the business forward whilst pushing and supporting the people in a positive way, coaching them towards success, you may be completely, you know, for lack of a better word, crap, but you may have the yeah. biggest title, right? So Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, leadership is, is all, it's action orientated, yes. right? It's, yes, it's absolutely. absolutely. all about your yeah. behavior. Yeah. So, so coming back, so I was a head of HR for Yuma Hospitality. And then I did, uh, in the last one and a half years, I was a head of talent for Yuma Group as well. Um, mm. And, and you know, in that one, I mean, basically looking at the talent cycle uh, from, you know, talent acquisition off all the way to offboarding, uh, we're basically working on looking at how we can enhance that entire employee experience. Because, again, employee experience is something that is fairly considered fairly important, important. But again, it's something that's always back of mind or is fairly underrated. Right. Yeah. So so it was more to see, OK, how we can make it cohesive across the group and how 
perhaps some of the best practices that we had had between, within EMA hospitality, we could scale upwards into the rest of the group and everything. And, and you know, so, so yeah. Yeah. So, and then, well, that leads us into what you're doing now. Yes. And I so, think so, yeah. Yeah, I, I was just going to ask you, how did this come about? Yeah. So, um, again, to be honest, I mean, you know, uh, leaving EMAR was something that was uh, never at the, at the, you know, even at the in, anywhere in my head kind of a thing, right? It was just one of those yeah. places where you are there and you just feel that you're going to be there forever because it is one of those really. And people would actually turn around and say, oh, my God, 12 years in EMAR, 13 years in EMAR. Aren't you, like, bored? Aren't you over it? And I'm like... Dude, I feel like I have joined a new company every two years because of I was going to say it sounds yeah. like the evolution was so swift. Yes, exactly. You but, know, and you feel things would change so fast, and you'll have new things to work on. And they would never. I I told people I said it was like it's a treadmill. You know, it's something I started running in two thousand seven end, and I was just kind of continuing to run right forever. Mm, um, yeah. But but you know when the change came, and you know some of it related to the the crisis that you know we're going through uh, currently with the pandemic and everything. And just general mindset from my point of view as well, I said, okay, it's time to kind of take a bit of a break and then think what is it that I kind of want to do. Mm. And, you know, I mean, you know, I have to say the culprit behind all this is to a certain extent my wife as well, because she's kind of an entrepreneur. And, right. uh, you know, she's kind of been doing her own business for the last 12 years. And for her, somehow, somebody working for somebody else, she just can't, she doesn't get the concept. She's like, what does that really mean? You know, <laughs> she's like, yeah. how, how, why would you not be doing your own? So, so, so when I was in that stage, she said, well, finally, high time that you start thinking of what you want to do for yourself. And if you had to create, what would you do? So that put me on that. Um, you know, we had a lot of discussions, as you can imagine, because it was lockdown and it was just us and the kids and, you know, a whole lot of uh, sparkling stuff. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, after a lot of discussions, I actually put my head down and say, OK, if I really want to do something, um, what would it be? And, you know, I, I mean, for me, it was so clear that if I have to foray into doing something of my own, it has to be in the people, talent, HR arena because that's where my passion lies right yeah. i mean it doesn't make sense to now start you know going and looking for a new passion or suddenly discover that oh my god maybe i should go back to medical school and i should become a doctor as i was planning to you know like you know 20 years back um so you know kind of just went into the whole uh, started putting you know reaching out to people to a lot of business leaders that i know having a lot of discussions um and and you know kind of came up with the whole arc people solutions thing right which is uh, you know my own company that i launched in last october yeah and and to be honest with you uh, 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 phil one of the main things that i saw was that you know, as I kind of spoke to people about it and I reached to people and I bounced things off people, there were so many people that just stepped forward to help me in that journey without really wanting anything in return, right? So, yeah. you know, I had a group of people come together to do my whole, you know, branding and the, the brand look and feel and, and you know, the, the tone of voice and, and everything. There was another group of people who came to help with the whole go-to-market strategy and so on and so forth, another group of people to help you know build content and everything and i'm like guys that's that's great but you know i'm a i'm a single person startup i don't really have a lot of kind of funds you know i'm not flush flush with funds. Yeah. like don't be silly we are happy to help and everything and so on and so forth and you know i was so taken aback it was very very humbling to be honest with you where you know i was like my god i mean i it's something I would have never expected. And, but there was just, and literally like an army of people there to support. Obviously I had my family, I have my wife's full support and everything all the time. 
um, mm. because you know you do think you know I mean if you know after like being in a corporate role for all this while you suddenly you leave you know your your earnings and everything get impacted and all that kind of stuff oh my god where am I gonna you know kind of you know how am I gonna survive family responsibilities investments blah 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 um, yeah. you know but I had a, a really really solid support which I guess not very many people can have right I mean when it comes to a time like this in their life so I, I was just like uh, you know, overwhelmed with the with the kind of support that I got from people everywhere, and eventually, kind of, you know, gave it a full on look, identity, and brought it to life. You know, so we yeah. launched in October. You know, we've had awesome discussions and everything, and and I said, okay, you know, our people solutions for me is the way to go forward. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what the 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 thing I love about that is is that there's no way in the world. Yeah. that these people come back to you yeah. to to offer this kind of help if you've yeah. not if you've not dished that out yourself yeah and i, I i'm a massive exponent uh, of of this you know this kind of kindness cycle yes you know you if you put stuff out there without kind of any thought of a return yes it's amazing how often it comes back and returns yes i fully agree with you and you know i ended up reading you know i did a bit of reading and everything and i ended up reading a few books that really talked about this concept and its power so well. So I don't know if, if you've read them. There's this book called The Go-Giver, right? Um, okay. It's a small book um, by uh, Bob Berg and uh, John Munn. And it talks about these five stratospherical rules of success, right? And it is all about, I mean, as the name suggests itself, Go-Giver, it's all about, you know, doing that kindness, being there for people, taking that first step to help and support people and then how it kind of comes back. Uh, yeah. I, it's it's just really you know kind of mind-boggling and all that stuff and many people did say they said well you know he said that, you know you took care of us for like 10 years this is the least we can do for you so relax you know I mean just let's move forward with things right and I'm like yeah. no I'm so sorry I'm like you know I can't you know thank you so much I'm like whatever they're like okay okay stop with the drama let's just move forward <laughs> let's, you know let's 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 get things done so uh, so yeah no I, I think that was uh, one of the most awesome um, times in terms of you know all those emotions and everything that came by yeah yeah no absolutely and so yeah yeah and you've got some i have to say i absolutely love your branding yeah. so whoever did that yeah 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 please connect me yes definitely <laughs> for sure for sure they'll be happy to they'll be happy to help you yeah I, but um no I, and i really love your, your you you mentioned that there your tone of voice and you and i have yeah. done a, yeah. a a piece uh, yes. obviously a, a few yes. weeks back yes and i just i liked the this is this is to me the my dream situation in a business right. is that and it's kind of one of the reasons I suppose I have a, a voice on a podcast now is that I want to get across to the world who I am as a mm. human being right uh, and anybody who likes that and wants to come come play then yes. you know please come and you know and and the ones that don't that's great I don't probably don't want to work with you anyway yeah yeah um yeah. but the ideal scenario for me in business is that we all know when we have to be serious yes. and get our head down and focus and yes. crack on with whatever the the task at hand yeah. is sure. but that sh but fun should never be far away i fully agree um, with you fully agree with uh, you because yeah. if there's no fun in it what is the actual point it's just it's just yeah. pound signs isn't it or yes. Uh, yes. you know uh, dirham signs or, true, or whatever true. yeah absolutely absolutely yeah i mean and again i think we also reach a stage in life right i mean the stage where let's say 
I am at my career and, and my age and everything, you really do want to connect and work with people who you would enjoy working with. You know, yes, yeah. like you rightly said, there are times to get serious and there's time to, you know, roll up your sleeves and do the hard work and everything. And I think we've all done that in our lives and everything as well. And we will continue to do that. But connecting with the right minded people so you can actually enjoy what you do becomes somehow starts to take more and more of a center stage right and and and, you know and and i fully agree with you yes you know this whole mindset about you know who am i and everything somebody asked me this question you know so i what i did was i after all these years in my life i went ahead and took on an executive coach which i've never done right okay yeah and when i was having my first session so this lady who's an awesome friend as well she says so asim so who are you and I was like, wow. So I said, well, I'm a Sim yeah, Kapoor. Good start. Yeah. yeah. I said, I'm a Sim <laughs> Kapoor. I was born in 75. I kind of graduated. And she's like, oh, okay, okay. Wait, wait, wait. So that's like, you know, your life history. She said, who are you? So I'm saying, okay. So I'm a Sim Kapoor. I was the head of HR for Yuma Hospitality. I'm a talent <laughs> professional. I have blah, blah, blah. She's like, okay. That's what you are like work-wise. Who are you? And I'm like, now I'm like squirming in my seat, right? She's seeing my face on Zoom and I'm like, okay, I'm like thoroughly, completely failing at this. So I said, okay, I am uh, a Seem Kapoor. I am, you know, a father of two, uh, you know, loving husband, great wife. You know, we live in Dubai. I was like, okay, but that's your responsibilities and your personal life. Who are you? And I'm like, okay, now I give up. I said, I have no idea. I said, what do you want me to answer? I'm like, you know, and that's when I realized that all these things which we take as the definition of us is not really us. It's what we yeah. do. It's it's our responsibilities. It's our relations. It's our life story, but it's not who we are. And then she gave me this awesome book called The Untethered Soul, right, uh, by Michael Singer. Right. And oh my God, that in itself was such a huge opening experience. Um, so she said, after our session ended, as it was ending, she said, well, so you're now taking your first steps into really defining and identifying who you are. So I said, okay, great. So when are we going to be done with that? You know, typically in our mindset, there needs to be a deadline. There needs to be a target. You know, we'll complete this project in like, you know, two weeks or whatever. So she's like, my friend, you may not answer that question throughout your entire life. So, you know, people take years to figure out who they are. Yeah. Um, and, and yes, I will be honest with you. It's been a year now and I'm still figuring that out. Yeah, well, I, I have to, I've had this battle for a, a long period of my life. I think whereby you, you know, you start to, I think it just, it's a natural thing that happens through probably yeah. reaching of a certain age. And I'm thinking of 40 years old here, yeah. whereby you, you do start to question, okay, is this the path? Yeah. Is this... Yeah. Yeah. Does this really, you know, is this the thing that really sings to me? Am I where I'm supposed to be? Uh, and all of these sorts of big, big questions that you kind of ask yourself. And I, I jokingly say that I, I don't know if I've ever really truly had a clue if I'm, if I'm happening to life or if yeah, life is happening to me. Right. Um. Right. And I, you know, but yeah. now the difference is, is that I don't really mind. Yeah. I used to beat myself up if I was doing the right thing and all of these sorts yeah. of things. Yeah. Now it's a case of, well, you know what. Yeah. Life is just a, a selection of experiences, hmm. ultimately, uh, whether that's at work or at play or, or whatever. True. You know, all of these experiences rent our time yeah. from us. Yes. And so, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm maximizing yeah. the the experience that I'm having while I'm here. Yeah. yeah. And I, that's not just related to fun. That's yeah. related to my impact and my ability to be able to affect the business or you know whatever that looks like but right. I, I definitely it needs to have yeah 
you know, an experiential element to it, I think, to, to really, really sing to the inner soul. 100%. Deep 100%. Stuff. Yeah. But I'll be honest with you. I mean, I don't know how, like, what level of, let's say, maturity you have reached in your journey with it. But for me, I kind of get conflicted every now and then again, right? Because I kind of agree with everything that you said. And then suddenly one side, left side, right side of the brain, I don't know what side of the brain and everything, but something will suddenly come and say, okay, that's great. But I mean, is all of this really getting money in the bank or are you just wasting your time? Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, fine. Yes, I know that. Okay, what I need to do needs to become eventually a source of income and everything as well. But my God, I mean, is it not possible to really just enjoy what you do and then be able to earn money as well from it mm. kind of a thing, right? I mean, that's, it's, it's a bit of, a, of that balance that you create. And then you realize that if you just stay focused on that path and not let it deter you, you know, the, the financial aspects will come together anyways, right? Yeah, um, and, I think, and, I think uh, that's a, a great uh, yeah. piece for, for, for general business yeah. as well. I mean, that's, yeah. that, that's the kind of the big purpose. Why, yeah. isn't it? Yes, exactly. Um, if, yeah. you know, if you know why you exist, and that's from a business perspective as well as, as personal, then everything else slots into place. Yes. Because sure. it's it's where your natural energy is going. You're actually playing to your strengths as opposed to trying to fix your weaknesses. Uh, it's a much better energy flow and therefore, you know, you're it, it's the it's the place where you're likely to do your best work. Yes, definitely. And you know now and with art people solutions, you know, so like we kind of focus on again, so for that also I needed to come up with a purpose which kind of works closest to with me, right? I mean it kind of I needed to find that that common purpose for myself and for my company because then if mm. they're not aligned then obviously again there's a conflict right um, yeah. and that's why I mean again you know we kind of I, I took the help of a few people I know and again who very nicely stepped into support and and take me through that journey and everything or or at least go along with me in that journey you know and that's how we came up with this whole uncomplicated to transform mindset because for me even through my own journey with an EMR and, you know, as a professional, it was a huge journey where I had to really unlearn a lot of things and learn as we needed to change our business models and so on and so forth. I realized that simplifying things for a higher level of impact is something that I'm so passionate and driven by that this is what I want to do. Yeah. And, and you know, you know, in our industry and in our profession, we somehow just tend to be our own worst enemies and, and create, you know, procedures, processes or concepts which are just so complicated that when I started simplifying things and making it straightforward and aligned and everything, the impact went 10x, right? Yeah. We were able to do a lot more with a lot less resources and everything and yet deliver a real impact to the organization and everything. And I said, okay, this definitely is what needs to drive my company's purpose as well because you know that's where you know my my passion and my my faith kind of lies and everything right and that's why yeah. whether it is all the you know the the people frameworks that we do the talent frameworks or whether we do the the learning journeys or whether you know this app that I'm kind of working on it's all about you know just simplifying the way things happen because I think people connect to simplicity a lot more openly and easily than when you throw something supremely complicated at them. Yeah. Totally, I couldn't yeah. couldn't yeah. agree more. Yeah. Again, yeah, yeah. So, well, I mean, that, that's that's one hell of a career so far. Just yes. getting started. Yes, just um, getting started. Yes. <laughs> um, but have you got have you got any uh, any stories from your career that you could share with us? Any any funny, terrifying, <laughs> I mean, quirky? 
to be honest with you i mean we um i i kind of when i look back on it there was a there's been a lot of laughter right yeah throughout the career and everything somehow as i kind of think about it most of the time it was due to hysteria because i think we had reached that stage <laughs> of hysteria and we were just kind of laughing about things because you're like okay i can't i can't do anything else but laugh about the situation that we're in and everything but i think yeah you know like having fun and kind of being with a team that kind of really engages with you not just at a professional level but at a different level where you can have fun with them and you know really kind of go out whether it's your business leaders whether it's your own hr team whether it's your your superiors and everything i think is just so critical and you know i mean we from a um, from the point of view of of kind of having fun being open with each other goals but yes i mean i can think of a few especially that happened to me when i was and i'm just thinking now so we were opening this beautiful hotel in milan and yeah. it was in pre opening and i was with a bunch of people with the opening hr director and i had kind of gone over to help open the hotel you know a couple of times and it was during one of those visits and mm-hmm. you know i said okay okay let's you know after we finish the day of working which maybe finished at 9 8 or 9 let's go out for 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 a meal and everything right so we finished our meal i'm thinking dubai time right that oh everything stays open till 2 in the morning right life is on and everything over there obviously you know europe times things start to wind down fairly earlier and yeah. you won't believe it by the time we finished the meal and we walked back to the hotel because i was living in the pre opening hotel everything was closed like the hotel front door was closed the side entrance was closed the back entrance was closed and there was nobody around Right. So now I'm here standing in the middle of you know Milan which suddenly at that time in the night from this beautiful vibrant fashion capital for me just became like oh my god I don't know anybody in this place uh and I'm like standing out alone at like 11:30 in the night and everything so you know all kind of you know fears start flooding your head I'm like how the hell am I going to get in Yeah and you won't believe it i mean i don't know if i should kind of put it out on air and everything but now okay what can happen um <laughs> i so there was this lock and chain at the back entrance of the hotel i pulled it as much as i could and i actually just squeezed through it into the right. thing then i obviously realized that well anybody could do that uh which was a discussion with the security guy the next day but yeah. uh, that's how i kind of got in somehow managed to go back to my room and sleep otherwise oh my god i was like stranded there alone not knowing what to do yeah so, that's the worst yeah. feeling isn't it when you're especially yeah. when you're in a, a yeah. strange land and yeah. you don't know where yeah. everything is and yeah. Yeah. how it works yeah. and yeah. and all of that but sure. actually in that story you've also just added value to the security guys yes exactly job because yes. you highlighted a flaw in the system so <laughs> Yes, was, uh, everyone's a, a winner. Yeah, there was a much bigger, much tighter chain and lock the next day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But this you know, the yeah. one thing I I love about a story like that is is yeah. that, you know, it doesn't matter how many people I speak to uh yeah. from from anywhere in the world. Yeah. And at any level. Yeah. They've all got a a story. Some of them not shareable, it has to be said, yeah. but they've yes. all got stories yes. from their time Yeah. um that that put you in a position that you're completely out of your depth you're yeah. you know you don't know what you're doing yeah. and that's just life that's you know that true. happens uh, it happens to us all uh, sometimes when we least expect it true true very true and um Yeah. It also highlights, you know, that we're we're a bunch of problem solvers yes, in this industry. Yeah. yeah, and I, I mean, you know, I mean, when I look back on it, especially our industry, I'm sure it happens everywhere. But you know, hoteliers and HR people mostly have stories which cannot be shared. 
in a family yeah. show. It's like that. Yeah. It's like, you yeah, know, yeah. so when we're sitting with a, with a group of I'm friends. That's what I'm doing wrong. Yeah. With a, especially when you're sitting with a group of friends and their kids around. So I'm thinking, oh, you know what happened? I have to, and then I'm thinking, oh, shit, I can't share that. And then yeah. you're like, oh, you know what happened? And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't share that either, right? I mean, you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, we have Especially, I mean, a lot of the stories center around uh, moments with celebrities and things like that. But you yes. know, yeah. there's an unwritten law, isn't yeah. there, around discretion um, yeah. Yeah. of, of guests? It's true. like that doctor-patient true. relationship. Very true. Very true. Um, yeah, but we've had some terrifying ones as well, right? Because I mean, I think uh, there was, you know, one of the the biggest one I think was this big fire that we had in one of our hotels. Yeah, um, goodness, and that yeah. was just—I mean, the whole world heard about it and everything. And that, like, night and the next two weeks of that year is something that is literally just kind of, uh, you know, just gone from my head. I have no idea how we kind of just went through the motions and kind of, you know, managed the whole thing. Um, mm. But equally so, I mean, this was in a city, and then equally so, let's say when I talk about my time in the Maldives, there was this point of time and you know, all the transportation, because you're on an island, all the transportation is by boat, whether it's guests or whether it's staff. And one night I suddenly get a call saying that, you know, the staff boat that was coming back with 20 people kind of, you know, uh, rammed into a reef and now everybody's stuck there and the sea is rough and what do we could do? And, yeah. you know, you're like, oh my God. I, I think the, the, the most terrifying things always happen when it's, again, people involved and it's risk to life. Um, yeah. And I think, again, that's what brings the importance of people to the forefront. Yes, okay, uh, I mean, I've had a boat, you know, in the hotel sink or, you know, something from an equipment point of view, completely super expensive and everything, completely conk off and get destroyed or whatever, or a mm. whole lot of crockery, cutlery, glassware from the best brands just kind of get dropped and broken as they were transporting in the in the thing. But somehow, you know, because it was, yes, there's a financial impact, but when there's no life impact, somehow you feel and you think, okay, it's manageable. We can do it, right? Yeah. We save a bit more. We kind of are sensible with our costs. We, we we beg for more money from whoever and everything, and we'll get about it, right? We'll get get somehow on the. Oh, the minute you know life kind of comes, and that's when I think it it becomes terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree, and you know, it it does these moments do highlight the fragility of it all, yeah. don't they? And yeah. um, you know, and actual. That's yeah. the most important part of yeah. any business. True. Is, true. is is ensuring that everyone is, is safe. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, but there are these moments that, that come up that you know you, you can't you can't control and yeah. uh, and they do teach you an awful lot about yourself. Yes. yes. And that's the time that like you rightly said, you just gotta be a problem solver. You gotta keep your head straight and then say, Okay, what's the next step? And kind of go through the motions to kind of get things right and you will realize, yes, you can always post mortem it, you can always hindsight it to say, How could I have done it better? But you will realize that under that moment of pressure and stress, the right decisions do happen. You just need to remain focused on it. Yeah. I think yeah. you're you're also likely yeah. to get a, a, a better solution if yeah. you have exhibited uh, a, you know a culture of care and yeah. you know that, yeah. that people care about each other then yes. they're, they're, people will rally around yeah. uh, and 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 help for sure less likely to do that if if there's not that culture in place um, although you know that, that's pro there's probably an element of survival kicks in as well right it's yeah. a, a lot of the time it is about the right what's the right thing to do yes for sure for sure um yeah. No, what I really love about your your journey and your story is is that one that you you know you're you you came to hospitality not through your kind of first foray into the into the the professional world. It doesn't that to me highlights it doesn't really matter when you find this industry. Yes. It's you know it is about 
finding that and then finding your place within, yes. uh, which you clearly have. So what's, in a, obviously we're, we're still in a world of flux at the moment, but yes. um, in an ideal world, what does, what does the next year hold for ARC? So for ARC, I mean, you know, we're working on various kind of different things. So I'm continuing to, um, let's say, massage and make more, you know, specific our offering and everything that we bring into the market. Because for me, whatever we bring to our client really needs to be something that makes an impact and a difference for them, right? Yeah. You know, uh, there's a lot of focus on, you know, we, one of our, one of the things that drives our business very, very crucially is these plug and play frameworks. So we've got all these frameworks around talent acquisition or, or um, uh, talent engagement or talent development, leadership development, and so on and so forth, which are mm. basically, you know, like a, a, a core group of seven to eight initiatives that any organization can implement if they want to kickstart or, or up the level of that particular aspect within their organization. And for me, it's important, you know, that, that, you know, we can, Continue to massage these and and create something that is really really impactful and you know we've trialed uh, a few of those with a couple of you know clients and everything and it's it's kind of doing quite well um, so you know so so continue to focus on that yeah. we've been working a lot on you know the the whole converting the brand promise into actual reality aspect so you know we've created this this whole thing called the an organization intent framework um, and then obviously the service culture framework you know and and the the way these two work is, is basically to say, okay, what is the why of your business? And then how do we kind of bring it to life uh, through people is what we are kind of working on, right? Uh, so there's some really interesting discussion going on around that um, aspect, uh, which we hope to bring to life in this year. Um, yep. and like I said, I mean, you know, one of my biggest, biggest learning was that technology is something that can really help you create an awesome experience. And whilst people do sometimes say that no technology takes away the human from the human resources, I completely don't agree with it. I think yeah. it takes away the human from human resources when you don't use it properly. But otherwise, technology is such an awesome thing. So based on my own and some of my other uh, colleagues, you know, seen who are senior HR people experiences, I've created this app. We, I mean, and maybe I should share it on this group for the first time. It's going to be called One Tribe. Okay. But it's a, it's a white label app, one O-N-E-T-R-Y-B. That's how we, we are branding right. it. Um, so this, tribe... this, have, I just, have I just got an exclusive? Yes, you've just got an exclusive, yes. Oh, Nobody my else God. That, that might yes. be the first time that I've ever had that on this <laughs> on the show. So, wow. Wait, I feel like know, I've made it now. <laughs> well, yes, I was told, okay, don't talk about it, don't talk about it. You've got such a nice way about, you know, getting everything out of people. So, you know, oh, yeah, you. that's an exclusive for you. So, um, and, and basically what I've tried to do is, is to put the entire journey of people right from onboarding through to exit on it to remove as much of the admin stuff that HR teams all over the world have to grapple with. And, you right. know, it's so you can communicate through the app, you send all notifications, all news and, and information and, and events, you can do, you know, surveys through the app, you know, whether you do regular pulse surveys, which are daily or monthly or quarterly, you can, you can run everything through it, you can do the whole, you know, the, the whole approach of, you know, booking events and everything through that you can ask. Mm you know, requests from HRs, you know, you, you, you have queries, you have letters, you don't necessarily. And I think that's where, um, you know, we kind of uh, tend to be a bit more traditional in our thinking and say, okay, HR needs to always be there for people. Yes, you need to be there, but not necessarily physically, at least not for the admin stuff. The admin stuff yeah. you can actually do through your, your, um, uh, your, 
through the use of technology. But when it comes to, you know, talent development, when it comes to doing succession, when it comes to really impacting people, engaging them in the right way, that's where, you know, your focus tends to be. Now, if you look at it, typically an HR person's 60% of their time goes into admin stuff and 40% is what is spent on doing the real meaningful people stuff. What I'm trying to do is, is having gone through that pain myself is actually make that into an 80-20 kind of thing. So that 20% of time is focused on admin, but 80% of the time goes into real meaningful people and talent stuff that can really yeah. then elevate what the organization delivers to its stakeholders, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. sounds very, yeah. very interesting. Yeah. yeah. So we're working on that. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, and, you know, I mean, just on a personal side, I've, because my wife's business is into uniform designing and manufacturing, she's actually pulled me into doing a couple of projects with her. So I'm learning a whole new trade of, uh, you know, what's designing all about and what's uniform right. all about and how do you, you know, what are the different kind of fabrics? So, yeah. I was going to say, are you, are you sewing now as well? Well, you never know. <laughs> Knowing the kind of taskmaster she is, I won't be surprised. <laughs> yeah. uh, the wives are always yeah. the best taskmasters. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, yeah, I mean, but but for Arc People Solution, I mean, lots of, uh, you know, new stuff kind of coming up and lots of uh, interesting ideas and everything we're bringing to the market. And the most important for me was to obviously utilize my own experiences. So 95% of the stuff that I think we are bringing out is in a way tried and tested because, you know, it's it's something that has shown results. And yeah. that's when I have kind of, you know, kind of created it or, or, or um, productized it as such, right? Mm. So, so, yeah. Brilliant. Well, that that sounds incredibly fascinating, and and also something that sounds like it might not exist currently. So you're you're adding value yes. already. Yes, absolutely. And I'm looking forward to its launch. Hopefully, in a month's time, we will go live. Okay, so I definitely need to get this podcast out before then. Yeah. Then. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Uh, what what would you say to to somebody who was considering a, a career in hospitality? Oh my God, I would say go for it, man. I mean, you know, I would say it's, it's just such an awesome journey that you go through uh, as long as you're passionate about it. So I think yeah. I think the first thing I would say is look inside and really, really say, are you passionate about it? And only then get into it because this is an industry that I think really has its own different kind of pressures and everything, right? And it really kind of wants a lot from you, from your personality, from your, you know, physical being there, available all the time kind of a thing right um, you yeah. know being there for your guests being there for your people and everything so I think passion is very very critical but if you take that box then go for it and just stay open to whatever opportunities come your way I mean in when I kind of look back I think a lot of the things that happened to me were because I just said yes said yes to whatever came my way and there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, oh, no, I can't do this. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. Oh, but how will this happen or whatever? I'm like, yeah, okay, I can do it. I can do this. I can do that and everything, right? Um, yeah. And I know, okay, everybody's personal circumstances may vary, but as much as possible, just take the opportunities as they come your way because this is an industry where you can really show an impact and you can really grow um, and you can really find personal satisfaction with what you do provided you have that passion for it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you and don't forget to ask the age-old question of yourself, who are you? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. And continue on that journey for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. I, th yeah. I actually think it's a really great way to 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 look. Just keep asking. You know, it's it's like conducting, you know, the every year yeah. everybody does the New Year's resolutions. Yes. I don't actually subscribe to the New Year's resolutions. I just keep looking at okay, did what I do last year was that the path that I want to take? 
Right. And what do we what do we need to tweak this year to right, you know, right. to I get agree, back yeah. on the on the yes. path? So it's yes. more reflective than uh, you know making false promises to yourself. Definitely. But, and I think that's the way you will actually end up showing some level of progress or even a huge level of progress, depending upon you know how you you move and and act on it. But but yeah. you know. Just by making, you know, you know, those those kind of resolutions, I don't think I fully agree with you. I'm not a resolution person either. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, if people want to to reach out to you and learn more about your company or or get you on board to help them, what's the best method for them to do that? Well, I am on LinkedIn everywhere, so you know, just you through, def- you certainly through, are. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so just through my profile, they can get in touch with me. My company's profile is there as well on LinkedIn, and we have a website www.arcpeoplesolutions.com. Uh, they can get in touch with me through that, and my own personal details, email, phone number is all there. So, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. So fully, fully out there and available. No, that's great. Yeah. Look, thank you very much, Asim. It's been really great to to chat. No you pleasure is mine, about... Phil. And uh, it's it's been an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for your time and 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 taking the interest as well. You're very very welcome, and wish you all the very best for the the year ahead and beyond. Great. Thank you so much. Take care. No problem. You too. Cheers. Bye bye. Bye bye. And there we have it. What a fabulous chat with Asim, crammed full of business intelligence. I think it's clear that Art People Solutions is going to be a huge success and wish Asim all the very best. Don't forget, we'll be back at 8pm next Wednesday with more stories from hospitality. But until then, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.